Welcome to NetFrog Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas, our beat reporter, who just um, has had a chance to look at the early combinations that uh, the Chief has put on the ice for the Blues and also the first scrimmage, testing out some of those combinations. Well, JT, let's just start off with your general impressions the first few days of uh, our heroes getting back to work. Well, one thing, and it's easy enough to overlook, uh, uh, Gordo, is uh, everybody's practicing. Last July, by now, we had uh, Colton Pareko missed the first day, Robert Bartuzzo missed the second day, and then on uh, day three, all of a sudden, there was no Vince Dunn. And, uh, you know, nothing was official then, but uh, it was all suspected that, that COVID was involved. So it's going to be lurking around the season, the, the, entire, uh, the entire season. I'm sure over the course of time, some Blues will test positive. But so far, so good. It seems like they've learned to deal with this a little better. Obviously, COVID has its own ideas, but they've learned to deal with this. And, and uh uh, they're off to a good start. I think that the pace has been good, not just in the scrimmages, but but in the practices. Uh, uh, you you were out there last night. Uh, uh, Jeff Gordon can't stay away from a good uh, scrimmage in uh, in early January, and they 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 were joss, jostling each other. And uh, uh, it's 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 an exciting time. I you know there, there's there's some depth on this team. There's a little bit of uncertainty, but. Uh, uh, I, I think it's a it, it, it's it's a pretty upbeat time right now for your St. Louis Blues. Now they have a very short time to get ready, no preseason games, but it it seems as if they did a good job pre-camp of working out amongst themselves. Ryan O'Reilly helping guide that process, so the the guys had some workout time uh, in the STL ahead of camp, and it it's, it really does seem to show. Yeah, I and I think last time, uh, and by last time we mean kind of the first pause, the the one last spring after the uh, mid March uh, shutdown. I don't know if the players uh, were as dedicated. Not that they were lazy, but they just there was there, there seemed so much uncertainty. They didn't know if they were going to play, when they were going to play, and I think in general maybe they they weren't as well conditioned when they came in. But this time they were told right off the bat. I remember the uh, the season ending, and I'm sure you do, uh, uh, Jeffrey, too. The season ending uh, Zoom calls, uh, Doug Armstrong, Craig Berube said their message to the players was treat this like a normal off season. Take your normal two or three weeks off and then start training. And I think the, the Blues, the players took it to uh, uh, took it to heart. Uh, a lot of them were uh, in town uh, uh, a month or more than a month. Uh, before training camp started, as you mentioned, uh, skating, and uh, some of them uh, never left, uh, you know, b- because of the timing. Guys like Tyler Bozak or David Perron, Perron almost certainly under normal circumstances would have gone back up to Quebec and and uh, uh, hung out there with his family. But uh, uh, with the with the timing of it, kids in school, they all they all stayed here. They, they, that, what happened in Edmonton, uh, I think, still stings the players. I know it certainly does with Baruby and. Uh, and uh, uh, Armstrong, I think David, uh, David uh, Braden Shen put it best when he said, hey, you, you only get so many chances to win a title. And we kind of blew one last year. Now, we don't we now we know that the player combinations will change game to game, shift to shift. That's just what happens in the NHL. The Blues are no different. But I think it, it is interesting to see what the coaching staff, um, how the coaching staff assesses the, the group and the early player combinations that they use in practice and the scrimmage, 
give you a good indication of what they're looking for from players. And one of the indicators um, was the belief that Robert Thomas can take a big step this year and take that step at center. And he drew praise from the chief after the uh, first scrimmage. Yeah, he did. Uh, they want him to, 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 to claim a top six role. Obviously he's got to earn it. And another player I'm sure we'll touch on him later is Jordan Cairo. I, I think the assumption was when the Hoffman thing came down that uh, Jordan Cairo might be pushed out of the top three lines, but there he is in the, in the third line, you know, not quite a top six role, but still, you know, you're, you're getting more, more minutes in theory on the third line. So they want to see some of these young players. Uh, Thomas has uh, talked to us how he's uh, uh, trained very well. And remember, uh, the last offseason, which seems like it was about five years ago, the, the offseason after the Stanley Cup, he had wrist surgery. So he couldn't do a lot with a wrist surgery, especially upper body stuff, especially uh, working on his shot, not after wrist surgery. But uh, he's a guy that has always uh, had a good self-awareness, I think, knows what he has to do. And he knew that he had to get a little stronger. And so he's added some, uh, some uh, muscle. And he also knows that he's got to work on his shot, not just take his shot more, but work on his shot. And, uh, you know, he talked to us uh, uh, Wednesday night after the scrimmage about how, how he's done that. So he's taking it seriously. And uh, uh, he, he's a guy that uh, we, we all know has a, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of potential and uh, he's a guy that's used to winning. Now the staff wants to get a good look at what he can do as a pure playmaker uh, who can create space for himself to then create plays after creating space for himself with his speed, his quickness, his ability to his, his edge work, as they say. Um, he's got a pure, sh a great shooter in, in Mike Hoffman, the newcomer, who uh, a volume shooter, but a good shooter. He can score from distance. He can score in close. Uh, he's just always dangerous. And that combination is interesting. And then Jane Schwartz, one of the better two-way forwards in the league, to provide that balance, the, the experience and the, and the defensive awareness and really interesting trio. Yeah, it is. And uh, in Schwartz, uh, you've got to, I, I call him kind of the Tasmanian devil, just all, all the energy, all the quickness for a small guy. He's not afraid to get did that story. Talk to uh, Bill Lindsay uh, of NHL network, but also a former player who does the uh, uh, Florida Panthers, the radio play-by-play. -play. He said, <clears throat> now don't sleep on Hoffman's speed and skating ability. Uh, he's not a guy that's necessarily going to dazzle you with moves or make you miss, but he can get up and down the ice and he can beat defensemen uh, ar around the edge. And so I think what you have here, Jeff, I think you have the makings of, dare we say it, for the Blues. I mean, where you saw these grinding lines, I think this is a rush line for the Blues because Thomas can skate, Schwartz is very quick, and uh, uh, according to you know people that watch have watched Hoffman a lot, he's faster uh, than you think. So this is a a little bit different dynamic for the Blues, if it sticks. And another thing that's different, and again, these things will change. We'll, we will see Braden Shen play some center, I'm sure. But the thought of using him uh, up front with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, it, when he plays with, in that grouping, I like it because it unleashes his physical play fully. You know, you want – he's going to go in and have a chance to – to, uh, to, to really get in on the forecheck, do some hitting, and, and, and play a, a physical game without the defensive responsibilities at center. Um, 
I, I kind of like that. I know, I know he's, he turned out to be a much better defensive center than he was advertising and he can do a mm-hmm. good job there. But on the other hand, you know, they, he's a guy that can stand to shoot more and, and generate more for himself. Yeah, uh, for sure. And yeah, when he plays the wing, I think that you're right. I think the uh, kind of the uh, uh, power forward uh, comes out uh, in him and, and what a, a veteran line that would be, and if you're Shen, I know it's it's strange even now to to not be teamed up with uh, Jaden Schwartz. Uh, Shen and Schwartz have been together uh, so much since uh, since uh, Shen uh, was traded to to St. Louis. But my gosh, who wouldn't want to play on a line with Ryan O'Reilly? You know, I mean, you're going to get the puck. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about defense with Ryan O'Reilly. You've got one of the best faceoff men in the league, and then then you've got the feisty Perron on the other. That's a this is a line that's 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 more uh, uh, kind of a cycle line, a grinding line, but uh, w- with skill too. So, uh, y- you know, neither of these two lines that we've talked about, Jeff, were what I expected uh, uh, from B- B- Ruby. And yeah, we know the lines will change and we know the, the Hoffman thing uh, developed late. It's not like uh, uh, Craig Berube has been wondering, uh, you know, how do I deploy? Uh, what do I do with Mike Hoffman from, from back in October? But uh you don't open with these lines unless you think this is the best way to start the season. So uh, very, very intriguing uh, what he's done with these two lines. Now here's my prediction. The third line for the St. Louis blues in effect is going to be son, your boy, Sonny, Ivan Barbashev and uh, a Craig Berube favorite immediately uh, Kyle Clifford, because I see, the chief using those guys defensive zone um, start after defensive zone start. I see them. I see him using that group as a shutdown group. I see him using that group to protect leads. I see him leaning hard on that group, the so-called fourth line a lot, unless this team is chasing a game. Uh, if, if this team is where it, where it wants to be in a game, you're going to see a lot of those guys. Now that leaves as a shielded, uh, at times, spot usage line, I predict the, the Bozak, uh, Sanford, and uh, Cairo line, um, I could see those guys, you know, starting out rolling lines playing, but I could see their usage also shrinking in game scenarios just because the Chief has so much belief in, in that what could be a terrific uh, shutdown energy hitting line because um, he loves Sonny, he loves Ivan, and he and it's clear he loves Clifford. So, it, it is an interesting, it'll be interesting to see how the bottom six plays out. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. First off, the surprise to me was that uh, it was Kyra on the third line instead of Sammy Blay. Uh, Sammy is uh, all but in the witness protection program here with the, <laughs> uh, with the blues. And we know Jeff, we know he is Craig Berube's type of player. Now I know Sammy Blay in the past, the, the, some, uh, I don't know, concern by coaches about his off season training, but I think Sammy has, they wanted to keep him away from mom up in the outside Montreal mom's cooking during the off season, because uh, apparently he was a big fan of, of mom's and who isn't right. But uh, uh, Sammy looks like he's in great shape. We know how physical he is. He's got some skill and that, that, that looks like a Baruby player. So, but, but I think part of it with Cairo is that uh, uh, we remember and, and uh, Doug Armstrong told all of us that he told Cairo, you're no longer an AHL player. You're an NHL, like your days in the AHL are done. So uh, some kind of interesting, this is a huge chance 
uh, for Cairo. So we'll see how that works out. But yeah, back to your your uh, Barbashev, Sunquist, Clifford line. Yeah, this is kind of a this is kind of a grinding, a physical line in uh, Craig Berube's dreams. And we saw that was one of the things, don't you think, uh, last night? That was one of the things that we walked away with saying, hmm, Kyle Clifford, not just as uh, a snarl, as uh, I think uh, Lou Korak, our colleague, uh, put it, the snarl in his game, but uh, also because, what, he knocked Scandella to the ice uh, and got a uh, what, what passed for a penalty in that game. And then all of a sudden we looked down and there's, uh, he and Don in the corner kind of going at it, shoving each other. And, you know, I'm thinking, hey, guys, you realize this is a scrimmage. You know, you're not you're, you're not playing the uh, Nashville Predators here or, or, or whatever. But also, as, as Jordan Bennington took note, got a couple little things to his game. And, you know, in terms of maybe some moves and, 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 and some offense. And uh, Armstrong said after the season and talking with the players that some of the players basically said, hey, we need kind of a. I think enforcer is probably too strong of a word, but, you know, it'd be nice if we had a little more muscle in the lineup. So he went out and got some muscle in Clifford. It was obviously lost in the shuffle uh, of the uh, Petro uh, uh, Tory Krug saga, but uh, interesting pickup. And that's going to be a, a interesting uh, line. Yeah. See, now I know this is a, this is, I think it's just what the team needed. Clifford can finish a little bit uh, and he's got a winning pedigree. And he's got a little bit more left in the tank than Troy Brower, who, you know, unfortunately, you know, there was some hope that he could provide a little bit of heft, but it was, it was, it was past his time, you know, Troy for uh, the NHL, really. I mean, he, they liked having him around, but I think Clifford could be more, uh, well, I think he's, I think he's going to be a factor for this team. And, and again, the reason why I, I see this line getting used a lot, I also get the sense because because of what Doug Armstrong has said repeatedly about wanting to see more for Cairo, I can see the Chiefs saying, "Okay, well, I'll give you your Cairo line here," and um, and you know, and Tyler's more of a spot player at this, this stage in his career. He can move around the lineup. He's he's a crafty guy. He, he's gonna he, he's a useful guy, but you're not gonna lean on him for 18 minutes. So I can just see him saying, "Okay, well, you got your Cairo line, but I'm gonna protect. I'm gonna shield that group. They're gonna get protected minutes and usage." And because I don't quite trust Cairo, but I sure trust Kyle. I sure trust Sonny. And he knows, you know, he trusts Ivan. So I think that's a great position for the coach to be in. And I think in the past, he kind of, that line, that fourth line was so good that the third grouping got passed over uh, in, in, in terms of the, the, the importance of the usage. And that's a good situation because it's now you really have a four line team. Yeah, and, and, and that's a good point about closing out games and and trusting that that fourth line that the the sun, we call it the Sunquist Barbershop line because they're almost interchangeable as to who's in the in center. Use them a lot because and I I think this is really a a true fact here. Uh, but Ruby and Armstrong have talked about how when you're playing these teams so many times, you have that familiarity, uh, you get to know each other's secrets, uh, our techniques, whatever. Uh, they're going to be a lot of close games. You see it in basketball all the time in the, in these conferences where they play each other twice in the regular season. And then they play each other uh, in the, in the conference tournament, a third time, the scores are always almost always tighter and they're lower scoring games. And, and that was one of the reasons the last five minutes of the third period uh, uh, in the scrimmage uh, Wednesday night at Centene, they went to three on three play and Bruce said, I think we're going to have a lot of overtime. And we're going to have a lot of close games. And I couldn't agree more, Jeff. 
they they're 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 probably going to want to use a line like Sunquist Barbershop and and Clifford uh, in games like that, and and they have a couple guys waiting in the wings too uh, if they want to get Mackenzie McEachern out there. Uh, uh, Jacob Delarose hasn't done a whole lot, but I, I think we can agree, Jeff, that he's, he's defensively responsible. So uh, 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 that yeah, that that line is, is is going to be key. And Sunquist. Yeah, he had a fantastic start. I've had some people in chats and and, and on Twitter uh, say, "Can he bounce back?" I I think what happened was he got hurt. He got hurt right around Thanksgiving. He was on like a over twenty goal pace. He was playing his best hockey, and uh, and and he had some injuries. But uh, I, I'm very interested to see how how Oscar Sundquist now, <clears throat> after his breakout season during the Stanley Cup year how he does now a couple seasons down, down the road. Cause he's a, he's a very valuable piece. I think. On the defensive side, the pairings really logical coming out of the gate. Um, you go out and get Tory Krug. He's a good defensive player. Obviously he's a different type of defender than this team has had than a different type of defender than the chief envisions in his, uh, his uh, roster making dreams, uh, a tiny guy, but, he uses his speed. He will play physical. He's strong on the puck. And paired with uh, Pareko, it was interesting watching that. Old people will call that a Mutt and Jeff combination. Jim and I will call it something like that because we're we're uh, we're senior citizens now. Younger people won't get the reference, but the watching those two work together, okay, I can see it as a top pairing. And you can uh, uh, any kiddos, uh, millennials, those thing. You can Google Mutt and Jeff, and you can. Uh... You there you see go. what that uh, that means, but uh, and boy, they got a they got a lot of time in the scrimmage. You and I kept looking at each other. How how many minutes are these guys uh, playing? I, and my theory, and I forgot to ask Baruri about it. I think they just they wanted to get used to each other because this is going to be the Blues' top pairing. And you're right, for a small guy, we all know how feisty Krug is, and, and boy, can he move around and just his instincts. Uh, uh, the very first goal, Robert Thomas said. I didn't have to do anything. He, he put his shot right on my stick and, and it deflects into the uh, net. So he's got great instincts. Looks like he can see the ice and he's got some maneuverability. Now he, uh, a, a different kind of player than Petro. I, I, I think he's got maybe a little more juice in terms of a skating game uh, than Petro. And that's going to be uh, an exciting, uh, exciting pair to watch. It looks like it'd be Scandella and Falk with a second pair. And then, done in Bortuzzo, but I don't know if you want to get into this at some point. We, we both came away, especially uh, uh, Jeff Garden. You, you came away impressed with Mikolo last night. Yeah. Number 77 even got a shout out for uh, from the, from the chief after the, the scrimmage, which warmed my heart to, to hear that because, you know, he's a big guy. He's, he, he's got that, that reach that the chief likes. He skates pretty well. You know, it seems like he pivots. Well, uh, he's got decent agility for a big guy. He's played a lot of hockey. He's played on the international stage at the world championships and he's performed well there. He's, he's done everything he can do at the AHL level. Uh, he's not a kid. Uh, he's a, he's, he's not a prospect. He's a mature pro now. And this is his time to play. I think he opens up as probably this in that seven, eight role. This team's going to carry a lot of guys with the taxi squad and such into the season. But, uh, and I think down the road, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to tout the Perunovic, uh, uh, Nico combination there. Uh, ultimately, the, the again, Mutt and Jeff. Uh, someday that combination works well together. But that that, that is a that, that is it, it's intriguing because at some point, especially when we talk about penalty killing, which we really can't really talk too much about, we haven't had a chance to, 
to really explore that much with this team so far. But uh, I can see that him definitely that that role alone thrusting him into the mix, the top six mix. Um, which right now, again, though the, the pairings of the top six seem real logical. I don't I don't see a need to mess with it right now. But I want to see how the penalty killing works out. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Mikola is he is knocking on the door. I mean, it looks like I mean, I, it looks like he's ready. In the five games we saw him uh, last season, he looked like he was ready. And he gives you a little bit of that uh, kind of that Bo Meester look as the, although, uh, and I think this was your observation. Uh, he, he's, he's uh, probably not maybe as smooth a skater as, as Bo Meester was in his prime. As I recall at one of the prospects tournament, Bill Armstrong, now the GM of uh, uh, the Arizona Coyotes told me that uh, uh, Nikola had, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, this asset, this asset, this asset, but he needed to work on his skating. And that's one thing that jumped out. It looks like his skating, uh, has improved. And although he's known as a defensive defenseman, uh, you know, he scored a goal. It was a pretty nice move and shot. So it looks like he has worked on his game and he looks like he's uh, a little bit stronger. Perunovic, uh, interestingly, uh, they, uh, in, in their almost, they were almost morning skates Wednesday before the, the scrimmage. Uh, they, they, for the first time, they, they broke it into kind of the varsity group and the taxi squad slash AHL group. And interestingly, Perunovic was in the latter. He was in the taxi squad uh, uh, AHL group, which means maybe they're, they're not going to seriously look at him as a, uh, uh, a guy for the, uh, for the varsity, uh, at least at the start of the season. Uh, even uh, Perunovic, I talked to him, I, I think it might've been in, uh, in October or early November, and he was talking about that he spent two or three weeks up here in June. He was allowed to skate informally with the Blues and how it was a big eye opener, just how talented the NHL players were. It all, almost made it sound like he was thinking, God, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So maybe the best thing for Perunovic would be a year or at least part of the year in, in the AHL, you know, if we have an AHL. But uh, a, a lot of uh, – <clears throat> A lot of puck movers in this uh, in this defensive group, and uh, Jake Wallman is is one of them too. He's a puck mover. It's a it's going to be a different look on the back end. And I remember Armstrong, uh, Doug Armstrong, saying that was one of the selling points to Hoffman. We're going to have these defensemen that get the puck up the ice. Forwards love the transition game, especially if it looks like Hoffman's playing on this rush line with uh, Thomas and Schwartz. And you look at the combinations, and it's an offensive-defensive combination through your first three, uh, Krug with Pareko, Scandella being the defensive-minded guy to play with Falk, and then uh, Bortuzzo being the defensive-minded guy playing with Dunn. Uh, I see this is, a, this is a huge year for Bortuzzo. We talk about penalty killing. He, he's gonna, they need him to play. I, I look at the roster. I, I, they need him to play every game. You know, he gets, he's been in and out of the lineup, and he's, he's suffered injuries. They need him to be a regular right-hand shot, which they need, uh, shot blocker they need, rangy guy, which they need, penalty killer, which they need. Uh, I, I see him as being – this is this is Robert Bortuzzo's chance uh, for sure to, to, I think, to take another step in his career. He, he's, he's well into his career. He could take another step. And then and then this will help us segue into the power play. The other guys, obviously, the, most, the, the biggest curiosity is you're paying Justin Falk a crap load of money and what you're asking him to do on this team is be a steady top four defender, kill penalties, log a lot of minutes on the second pairing. 
and maybe once in a while get to get a whiff of the power play. When his career was power play was his top priority, followed by power play, power play, and then some well-shielded minutes on a secondary pairing defensively. He was, he was not, he was never used uh, in a defensive role um, in previously, but on this team, he's got to be good at that. If he's going to earn that big salary, he's going to have to earn it blocking some shots, killing some penalties, being in that second pairing, logging some minutes and not getting any of that candy on the power play. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he was one of those guys that uh, maybe 40% of his points uh, with Carolina had come on the power play. And that's, uh, that's no longer the, uh, that's no longer the case. And he was conspicuous by his absence uh, uh, Wednesday morning when for the first time they gave the power play work and he, he was not on uh, uh, either uh, either unit. Uh, one follow-up before we get into the power play, just on the defense, the uh, where Vince Dunn is at, he's, he's starting on the third pairing again. Uh, you know, uh, Armstrong mentioned that there are times when uh, he might uh, move up to that Falk line, uh, w- like when they need offense, like when they're trailing in a game. And I thought it was very interesting in the three-on-three they trotted out two trios that didn't look like they were just like grabbed out of thin air. And one was uh, uh, Krug with Shen and Schwartz. Remember, we're anticipating more overtime games, a lot of tight games. The other one, O'Reilly, Perron, and Dunn. So to go out there with O'Reilly and Perron on a three-on-three unit in overtime, that's, that's a big responsibility for Dunn. We all know how important puck management is. Sometimes Vince has had trouble with the puck management. So uh, uh, they're trying to give uh, Vince Dunn a, a little bit bigger role here with, with, with the team. Yeah, and so that segues us into the power play discussion. And JT, a couple of interesting combinations. Uh, the first unit, I think, quarterback by Krug, focused on getting uh, Perron and Hoffman lots of shots. The second unit, Probably more shots coming from the blue line, you know, with, uh, you know, Dunn and Parekos uh, on the blue line. So why don't you break down the two units? Yeah, the, the, the uh, 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 you talk about, uh, I guess, eye candy for, for the first line. You have Hoffman and Perron on the wings. You have Shen down in front of the net, O'Reilly in the middle, what they call the bumper, and then Krug on the point. That's a lot of firepower. Now, on both the dots in Perron and, and uh, uh, Hoffman, you've got guys that have really good one-timers. And uh, we all know what O'Reilly can do passing the, the, the puck around. Shen's a big, strong guy. Playing in front of the net isn't an issue with him. I think, I think the Krug, we're going to see maybe a little bit more dynamic movement of the puck than we saw with Petro. I mean, we all love Petro. We, we, we appreciated his uh, scoring ability and, and everything. But I think he, he was a – I don't think. He was, he was just kind of deliberate a lot of times on the power play. And I, I think they want – that puck moved a, a little bit quicker. And I think we're going to get that with the, with the Tory Krug. And the other thing Krug does is he moves the puck, but he also moves himself. This is one of my things I've been, I, I harped on ever since uh, Shattenkirk left. Shattenkirk made the power play effective because he moved himself. And when he, when he would take the puck down in the offensive zone and, and play like a forward, and then that forced everybody else to rotate It forced players, it forced other players to move. It put a lot of pressure on the penalty kill. It got the penalty killers moving around. It got 
the power play moving around. And that's when he started creating some openings. He's he'll move the puck quickly, but he'll also take it and go someplace with it and change the uh, formation himself while controlling the puck. And that makes a big difference. And I think Vince, Vince Dunn can do a lot of that himself on, in the second group. Now yeah. Pareko would be more of the Petro mode where he would stay out high and then look for the, the hammer of the shot. But uh, Dunn's a bit of that player too, but they, I think they, you need that element. And, and Krug, when he had Marshawn and, and Pasternak, just had a field day with that. And this is not yeah. quite Pasternak and Marshawn, but this is, this is not bad for him. Yeah. I, I think he, 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 he loaded up, uh, but Ruby just instead of maybe to try to be more balanced, he loaded up the first group. Although the second group is, uh, is not chopped liver again, an old, old folks reference. Uh, you, you can, you can Google it, but yeah, he had Dunn and Pareko uh, and, and Pareko. Sometimes they had two guys on the blue line. A lot of times though, they had Pareko down on the wing uh, opposite uh, Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas was, uh, uh, was on one of the dots and, uh, uh, Jane Schwartz was uh, uh, down in front of the net. And for a small guy, he's really feisty in front of the net. Uh, even in five on play, five on five play, Schwartz scores a lot of his goals down in close. And then Bozak was in the muddle, middle and a uh, uh, the, the, the bumper position. Again, you say, well, Bozak, he's not really a, known as an offensive guy, but you, you do need a good faceoff guy on these power plays. And, and Bozak's, uh, he, he's pretty good on face faceoffs. Interestingly, uh, you know, Thomas, when you're, when you're on the dot on the power play, you almost have to shoot. So it's almost like they're forcing Thomas, you know, that's not normally a passing position. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, how, how, how that works out. I noticed Pareko too, trying to get his shot off quicker. You don't always need the big windup in the, the 105 mile an hour slap shot a lot of times it's, it's it's just a quick shot and it's hard when you're that big it's like a big quarterback the throwing motion just because of the volume of your body and and so it looks like Pareko has worked on that and especially when he dropped down into the dot area uh, on on the wing it seemed like on the power play he was trying to get his shot off uh, uh quickly you know i'm gonna always do a pet peeve on, on the net front and Stuff and I'm going to probably come back to this all season. I count me among the, the, the people in North America who was unimpressed with the invention of this so called bumper position and how it became a thing on power plays. Because I think mostly, other than occupying a spot, getting the occasional high tip, get, creating a re, uh, an outlet, a safety valve, but I don't see much, I don't see these guys generating much. Uh, I, and I think Bozik's perfect for that because he'll just be there and he'll, once in a while he'll he'll get the puck and give it back to someone. I think that's great. You need to have a guy that gets the puck and gives it back to someone. I, I think you should I think you should put all your focus on creating. How can we create more of that in hockey? We'll just give a guy a job where basically he gets the puck and then gives it back right away because there's nothing absolutely nothing you can do there. <laughs> you're going to turn around and shoot from there. You're in traffic. You know, you're, you're just. I watch play after play after play after play after play after play after play go to the bumper and nothing happens. I, I'm sorry. I want to see that. I, I'm waiting in my lifetime to see that actually become a thing that I go, wow, there's an innovation that really changed the game of hockey. But okay, I'll get off my soapbox. A little vanity, but what you're saying then is it's probably not the best use of uh, Ryan O'Reilly's many skills. Oh, no, no, Ryan, Ryan's, a, he'll win a face off and he'll get a high tip in that. He'll win the faceoff. He'll go to that position. He'll get a few high tips. I, you know what? Here's the thing. And this is going to sound like an insult, and maybe it is. 
But I don't mind Ryan there because I didn't put him over on the dot. He's not going to shoot the puck. He's just going to give it to someone else. So if you're going to be a guy that just gives it to someone else, go stand in the bumper and on the odd time the puck comes, you give it to someone else. Let the, yeah. leave it. Leave all the heavy lifting to guys that want to shoot the puck. Yeah. So okay. I mean, that sounds like I'm picking on the captain there, and I love the guy, but. He, yeah, he, he, he was a little too unselfish, not to the point of Robert, uh, defer Thomas, but, uh, he was, he was a little too unselfish. Schwartz is an underrated guy on the power play. He had nine power play goals was tied, tied for second with, uh, uh, with Perron. And he's a guy that probably if you put the true sermon, he's probably not too happy. He's, uh, you know, he's not on the first unit because he spent a lot of last year on the, uh, on the first unit that that's what competition though, though. Breeds, you got you got a lot of competition for spots. You bring it, bring in a guy like Hoffman, and that means somebody else is gonna gonna get bumped down uh, uh, to the second unit. And uh, you know, in theory, the first unit gets more time uh, uh, than the uh, second. What what happens when Tarasenko comes back on the power play? I mean, where do you put him? I mean, do you you just automatically say, hey, "Vladdy, sorry, you're 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 on the second unit." You know. Uh, well, he would so, take that well. I'm sure there'd yeah. be nothing popping up in the Russian media from on that topic. <laughs> oh, well. oh yeah, no, no, not at all. Well, and uh, by the way, my as far as him being insulted by the whole captain thing, I'm just glad he's still planning on playing again and that he's working to come back. And I think he should just worry about trying to get his career back. And if he does, great, then he can start arguing for you know um, a, a bigger, bigger role as far as leadership goes. Hey, last thing, last thing on the net front. Um, a lot of people were concerned that. I know they're, they're probably running these people in chats like would Jordan Bennington be uh, traumatized by what happened in the bubble? Uh, JT, what's your sense of our, our boy uh, Benner there? Is he, is he traumatized? <laughs> we got, we got a little taste of Benner last night and it, it was more uh, uh, vintage uh, Bennington, which I think is a good sign, a little bit of sass with uh, Jordan uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, he was asked a question about the uh, Edmonton bubble, and it was pretty clear he's finished talking about it. He said, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to look back, I'm going to look back on winning the Stanley Cup, making the All-Star game, 30 wins. He was talking about 30 wins that he got last year. So uh, uh, I think he's got a little bark back, and I, I think that's good. It's a fair question, though, uh, what he will uh, uh, what he will be like. And, and the whole goalie picture with the uh, Ville uh, Husso as the backup, uh, you don't have that safety net at Jake Allen, but uh, it was good to see our guy Bennington kind of back in the, back in the, do I look nervous for him? I, I, I think that's his <laughs> best way. I think he needs fans. I think he needs fans. Cheering <laughs> him, throwing him. He of any blues player. I think he needs the fans back, but he's going to have to find a way to do it. Uh, maybe get motivated with the artificial crowd noise. I don't know. Maybe they could well, slip in a uh, Jordan, Jordan in the article. <laughs> that would be Yeah, get his edge back. Well, that's been Jim Thomas. I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. A reminder that you can hear the Netfront uh, on our website, stltoday.com, but also on all your favorite podcast apps. Make sure you tell your friends about it. We're back up and rolling. Uh, we'll be back again next week at some point to talk about this team launching right into the season. So it's an exciting time for hockey, an exciting time for the post-dispatch. With our big preview section coming up, we've uh, we got the Green Line. We're going to have a lot of content uh, on our preview next week in the print edition of the Post-Dispatch. Of course, tons of content on the web's website as well. 
So please do subscribe to uh, digitally, uh, to our print edition, support local journalism. Uh, please do that. For Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been the Netfront Presence. Until next time, see you.